God's been saying to us as a congregation, we're gary shifting, there's change coming. Someone prophesied a few months ago that there's like a glass ceiling on us, and even that's been removed, and God wants to come and do some amazing things. But we've got to get ourselves out of the way, and we need to allow God to come in and do what He does. And so I want to go through this cool story God laid in my heart this week and just bring out a few things. It's from 1 Samuel 13, verse 2. We'll start there. So what's happening here is two nations are coming together for battle, you know. It's the Israelites against the Philistines. So Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Meshmash uh, in the hill country and 1,000 with Jonathan in Gilead of Benjamin. And the rest of the men were sent home and every man to his tent. And so they're getting ready for battle. So they choose 3,000 men. 3,000, uh, 2,000 men stay with the king who is Saul. Jonathan is his son. He's got 1,000 people. Saul's based about 6.4 kilometers away from where this battle is going to happen. So they're kind of apart and they're assembling. Now, the Philistines, they have a different thing in mind. In verses 5 of 1 Samuel 13, check this out. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel, okay, with 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops, <laughs> like the sand of the seashore in multitude. And they came and encamped in Meshav, um, east of Ben-Avon. So you need to understand something's happening here. The Israelites have got 3,000 men. The Philistines respond with 36,000 men. And the chariots of those days, in our day, would be like tanks. So imagine this. There's 3,000 guys. There's 30,000 tanks. Plus they've got some horsemen and some foot soldiers. Now that seems to be an impossible task, right? And Will often says this. Yeah, there's 10 against those five, you know, and we solidly sorted out those five. You know, there's 10,000 against the five. It's kind of like that. And um, something happens in the hearts of the Israelites. They go like, we are in trouble here. And I want to liken this to our lives. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be stuff we're going through. There's always going to be these impossible tasks. Our faith is always going to be stretched. There's always going to be something that's coming to try knock us off our game. Sin, attitudes, heart, people, financial problems, sickness, all those things. They're going to come. Jesus said, there's one thing I promise you. In this world, you'll have trouble. Okay. And so when we look at this impossible thing, do we run and hide and do it our way? Or do we trust God to make a way where there seems to be no way? We're just saying it. Do we make a going crazy? And the Israelites look at this in verses 6 to 7. Take this. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, well, the people were hard-pressed. The people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. So get this. They want to fight. The enemy comes. What do they do? They run. They find crevices, holes. Cisterns are like toilets. They jump in the sewage just to get away. So when things come our ways, COVID, things like that, what are we doing as Christians? How are we operating faith? Are we letting those circumstances determine what we do? Or are we allowing God to determine what we do? It's a good question to ask ourselves in this moment. In verse 7, some of the Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And Saul was still in Gilead. And all the people followed them trembling. So guys didn't only hide, they left the country. They jumped the river. They were like, we're out of here. We're not going to have any part of this. We are in so much trouble here. We don't have faith to face this thing. It's crazy. It's like, and if I was them, and I'm glad I wasn't there that day, I probably would have done the same thing. 
There's nothing that could get us out of this problem but God. And on top of that, so there's compounding faith. So there's 36,000 against 3,000, which actually ran away and ended up to be 600. That's all that was left. Everyone else had fled. Now Saul does something stupid as well. On top of that, it's crazy. And he does something unlawful to the Lord. So he's the king. He's looking at all these people running away. He's going, oh my goodness. I'm in serious trouble. So he takes it upon himself to become the high priest and offer a sacrifice to God, which he can't do. And God leaves him. Okay, so it gets worse and worse. There will be a happy ending to the story, I promise you. So verses 13 to 14, check this out. So Samuel said to Saul, whatever you, you have done foolishly, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Well, then the Lord would have established your kingdom forever over Israel. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be a prince of his people. We know it's David because we're looking back because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And God leaves him. So you've got a massive force against a very small force. <laughs> you've got a, a force that is super amping. They think they, they're going to sort these Israelites out. You've got a king that has just done something really dumb and the presence of the Lord has kind of left them and that's the beginning of the end of his reign. You've got the people running in all directions. To make it worse, I'm going to add something else on here just so that you know how bad this is. 1 Samuel 13, 19. How bad is this? Now there were no blacksmiths to be found in the land of Israel. So in other words, they had no weapons. They had no swords, no spears, nothing. So you've got this massive force against a small force. You have a king that God's presence has left. You've got no weapons to fight this thing. There were only two swords and two spears in the whole of the land. You're thinking, hey, we're in serious trouble. I want to join the Philistines. And the Philistines said to them, at least the Hebrews make themselves swords and spears. Let's go and sort them out. That's where they're going. (laughs) That's crazy. Verse 22, just for the sword thing, how cool is this? So on the day of the battle, there was neither a sword nor a spear found in the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan. But Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. In other words, only Saul... And only Jonathan had at least a spear or a sword. Isn't that impossible? It's like, what is going on here? And can I just say this? You might be feeling like that right now. In your job situation, in your relationship situation, in your spiritual walk with the Lord, in the pressures of life, sometimes in our own stupidity. And... But then something amazing happens in the story. And I want to kind of start ending and just put a little bit of focus on what two men do. So Jonathan, who is Saul's son, decides to go over to the garrison. And so in verses, um, where is that? In verses 14, verses 6. So Jonathan said to his young man who carried his armor, come, let's go over there to the garrison of those uncircumcised. And this is what I love about Jonathan's faith. Listen to this. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. In other words, he's going, this might be the Lord what I'm feeling, but I I don't quite know. (laughs) Isn't that faith? The thing about that, like, it may be the Lord that works with us, but yeah, I don't know. And so when we're facing impossible tasks, when we're trusting in the Lord, is your faith like that, going, God, this might be you, 
It might not be you, but man, I'm going to go for it. Because if it's you, whoa, you can do whatever you want to do here. Or do we run and hide and, ah, I'm so useless and I'm worthy. And where, where is our faith? Like, like the God who created everything is with us, right? He's living in us. If he owns the cattle on the thousand hills, if he sent his son Jesus to die for us, not only to die for us, but rise again on the third day, and now he's in heaven interceding for us, how much confidence should we have that he can be with us when those times are tough? And it's just faith, you see. But nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. So he's going, hey, man, he, he could use the two of us to do something amazing here or not. It's up to him. It's like Shadrach, Michigan, and Benigo. They're getting thrown into the fire. And they're like, hey, our God can save us. I think he will. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to kneel. It's the same kind of faith. It's the same kind of faith as the disciples going, Jesus walks up to them and says, hey, follow me. And they leave everything and follow him. See it right through the Bible. And then something miraculous happens. It's amazing. Verses 7 of 1 Samuel 14. So the armor bearer says to Jonathan, Do all that's in your heart. Do as you wish. So Jonathan's setting the pace here. He's going, I think God's going to do something. I think God's going to use us. I think we're going to experience something amazing here. And his armor bearer goes, Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you in heart. And in our lives, we let Jonathan is God figure to us. So say God is going before us. So he's breaking open the battle. Are we saying, God, our hearts and our souls are for you? You go, we're going to follow. It doesn't feel like we have any weapons. It doesn't matter. There's no way to make this thing happen. But we're going to trust that something of your faith, God, and what you're doing and what you. And so they do. <laughs> Can you stick up that picture? So this is where we think that they crossed. So I don't know if they went left or right or right to left, but that is a pretty gnarly, rocky area. And so, while that's up, um, they, they jump in. So it says here in verse 14, verse 34, and it says, And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, check this, and his armor bearer after him. So they climb down. They start climbing up on their hands and feet on the other side. And they ask for a sign. They say, God, if they say, come up here, we'll take that as a sign that you are giving them into our hands, and we're going to go. That's insane. I went running in the mountains with a friend of mine yesterday, and we both saw today. We didn't have armor. We didn't have swords and stuff. We didn't have whatever they wore, those skirty things and stuff. We have proper running shoes. We had a pack with water. I haven't had some eats. I'm broken this morning. Yeah, my legs are sore today. So see, I can't imagine they're going to the heat of battle, 36,000 people there. They climb up because they've asked for a sign. Like, God, if you... <laughs> and there's the sign. In verses 10 of 14. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go, for the Lord has given them into our hands, and he, and this shall be a sign for us. As we're living our lives, trying to do it by faith. Are we going, God, where are you opening? What's the door? What are you saying? Who are you using? What are the circumstances? What do you want to teach us? What do you want to, how do you want to take us? Like, what do you want to do? Or are we just like, oh, no. It's like, like Carl said from the first service, so often we ask God to fight our battles for him, but sometimes we've got to start fighting for God. And then he comes from behind and he helps us out. And sometimes we get to step up and go, I'm going to change this because of what you've done to me. I'm going to stop being me and allow you to be you. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray and I'm going to read. So often we're just lazy and we sit there and we just expect God to do everything. But in this story, they don't do that. And something cool happens. Verses 1 Samuel 14, 13 and 14. So Jonathan climbed up 
hands and feet with his armor bearer. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after him. So check this out. So there's one sword and one spear. I don't know if he had both. Jonathan, whoop, steps over him. I don't know what the armor bearer killed him with, but he killed that guy. Next one, next one, next one, next one. You know how many people that killed out of the 36,000? 20. That's all they killed, 20. They climbed up that hill, up, down the hill, up the hill. They killed 20 Philistines. And then something miraculous happened. This is so cool. Verse 15. And there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. And the garrison and even the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked and became very great panic. See, what they did was they took the presence of the Lord into the enemy. And they did what they felt was the Lord. It's a crazy story. And the Philistines ended up killing themselves because of the panic that was created by what God did through two men. And the point that I want to make, and I feel like the God is making for us today, is let's look at the armor bearer quickly. The armor bearer was never named, right? He's a nameless guy. We don't know who he was. He was a, he was a nobody. But he, that nobody, changed the course of a nation in that moment. And people started coming out of the cisterns, out of the cracks, over the river, and they got their pick forks and I don't know what else, got them sharpened. And they were like, yes, if those two oaks, Saul is going, what is happening? There's chaos there. And he counts. Oh, flip, Jonathan and his armor bearer are not here. You know why Jonathan didn't tell his dad? Because it was prophesied that he would die in battle by Samuel. So he knew 36,000 men against two with a prophecy that he was going to die in battle, and he went anyways. What is that? It's so cool. Uh, I'm having fun. I don't know about you guys. but <laughs> The point I'm trying to make is this. Are you a nobody for Christ? Because he uses nobodies to do amazing things. I'm going to use the story again. It's such a beautiful story. Shame. So I was in um, George and Mossel Bay with Will and a few guys the other, other week. And I used a very small bit of Shannon's testimony without even mentioning her name at a youth gathering that we did. And from that, at least 20 young people stood up to give their lives back to their parents and to honor them, even though their parents weren't treating them right. And one little girl stood up on Sunday morning testifying that her mom had left her at birth. She'd been living with her dad the whole time. She's had so much anger and, and unforgiveness and bitterness towards her mom. And in that moment that that word was thrown out from a nobody, don't know who she is, still don't know who she is, that there was restoration forgiveness, freedom, and she said, I love my mom for the very first time. <laughs> See, I'm a nobody. I'm just a guy that has lots of issues. I just want to be used by God. And so what I feel like God is saying to us is like, Gerald and Tracy, but they're deacons with us. They are always running around in the background making things happen. Glenn and Murray are the same. You never see the guys in the sound. They're nobodies, but we're making this happen. So do you want to be a nobody for Christ? And, and what I'm saying is, it's a little things become big things when they're given to God. <laughs> Two guys, 20 dead, a nation destroyed. And so as we go into this week, you might think you're not anything, and you're not without God. But if God is with you, man, He can use you. You don't know what one word could say or do, one action, one act of kindness. I mean, I prophesied over three teenagers five years ago. I can't even remember the prophecy. 
I got a message like three days ago from Wayne Dodd in Sunningdale. Saying, Brad, you probably won't remember this, but you prophesied over three of the young guys. Two of them weren't even saved then. One of them was my son. I want to tell you the prophecies have come true. They're all loving Jesus. They're all in Bible study together. Whatever you prophesied came true. I was like, what is that? Nobody. I'd forgotten totally. Totally. <laughs> this morning, we're praying for people for hips and pelvises and stuff. <laughs> and the one lady gets healed. She's had pain for yo, a long time by the sound of things. She gets healed. But there was another lady that didn't really have faith to be healed herself. So she thought she'd just come and touch the back of the Well, obviously COVID regulationally touch. Um, and God healed her too. So she was a nobody. Touching another nobody who got healed because of God. And so I look over you guys and over myself. And I see a whole bunch of nobodies that God wants to use. Are you going to choose to live for Him fully or not? With your little bit. Just bring your little bit. Because if we all bring our little bits, we bring it together, we're going to see something miraculous happen. Miraculous happen. I want to see those 36,000 snort clapped. I want to see COVID not stopping us from worshiping like we want to worship. I want to see... Guys, are we trusting for, for salvations and baptisms? Four baptisms today. What a joy. It's all of us together. It make God amazing. So I want to pray for us now. I want to just trust that God does something in us, that His Word, this is a simple story, just transforms us from the inside out. And I want us to stop making excuses. And I think God wants, actually it's God. He wants us to stop making excuses and just live for Him. He's made you like He's made you. Be yourself. Let Him use you. So, can we pray together? Father, thank you for this amazing just moment, Lord, with you. Thank you for your word that is living and active and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, growing us up into your likeness, Father. Thank you that you call nobodies, that you use the weak to bring your strength. Thank you that in our weakness you are strong. So I want to pray that your spirit will just come and really just encourage us this evening. Feeling a few things. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to him. In other words, um, Jesus came and he walked this earth. To be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing for you and for me. So that we could know and have a relationship with the Father God. Who made this amazing battle happen in the favor of his people. He came to set us free from sin, from condemnation. He came to love us and pour his grace upon us. But more than that, he came that we could live for him and be his hands and feet on this planet. So if you're here tonight um, and you've never known him and you've never surrendered your heart to him, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, you've never asked him to become the king of your life, I just want to say to you, it's a free gift. I did it in 1980, a long time ago. Still trying to love Jesus daily. He's still working in me. He's still living. He's still talking. He's still active. He's still saving me from myself. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to do change the rest of your life and even your eternity with him and so many people get it wrong because they're like it can't be a free gift nothing's for free this is for free 
All it takes is you surrendering and positioning your heart to receive Him as that. And man, it's, a, it's an amazing adventure. So as our eyes are closed, if there's anyone here that knows that they don't know Jesus, but something of the Lord is working in your heart tonight, I'd love to just offer you to, to receive it. You're not taking it from me, you're taking it from Jesus, you're taking it from Him. And I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to lead you in that confession prayer. And so if you could just, just say, hey, Brett, that's me. Just No one else is looking. It's just me. Just going, Brett, it's me. I want to make a commitment. I want to give my life to Jesus tonight for the first time. I want to surrender. I want to start walking. I want to be that nobody for him. Is there anyone like that here? I'd love to just pray with you. might not have the words. Because Jesus says, with his own, his own words, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, there is Lord. Salvation comes and a relationship starts. So is there anyone here tonight? I never want to miss that opportunity. 